there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Now is the time for the message. It also happens to be the title of today's message. Now is the time. Now is the time. Anywhere been on holiday particularly hot over the last few weeks? Anyone? I know, I know so. <laughs> Dudley, that's true. Look at me, just winning everyone. <laughs> yes, we all have, actually. Some pretty hot weather. Picture this, church. At the start of Gospel of Mark, the second book in the New Testament, in the hot, dusty, 40 degrees centigrade landscape of the Jordan Valley, in the east of modern-day Israel, there's a wild man called John. <laughs> He's the 29, 30-year-old something son of an excellent, godly couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. While Zechariah, John's dad, was a faithful priest at the servant there in Jerusalem, and his mom, a faithful, righteous woman, wild man John doesn't grow up to be a priest in the temple like his dad. Wild man John grows up to be <laughs> a wilderness wandering prophet of God. He's the prophet that 700 years previously, the prophet Isaiah had said would come. This wild man John, if you saw him, you'd see that he was, he was dressed in camel fur. Anyone? Enjoying that? No, in hot weather. 40 degrees, John, are you mad? He's dressed in camel fur. He's got a leather belt around his waist. He's living on a very trendy diet these days, as it happens. Insects and wild honey. <laughs> we go to special websites for such foods these days, for a little health kick. And there he is, dining out on locusts and wild honey. He's the prophet that Isaiah foretold. Isaiah said that there would be someone that would be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths in the desert. Make them a highway for our God. It just so happens that this wild man John in the hot Judean desert was the first cousin of Jesus on his mum's side. We like a bit of detail, don't we? And there in Judea and in the valley of the River Jordan, John, this most excellent prophet of God, is making the path straight for the Messiah to make his entrance. Who is the Messiah? We know uh, from our scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. And then John, he's, the way he's making uh, the path straight for the people, the way he's getting people ready to meet the Messiah, is he's, he's preaching a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And then to announce it in a real physical way, he's baptizing people fully in water in the Jordan River. And what's happening is this is, is the repentance, this readiness of baptism is making people ready to receive the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Thousands of people are coming out to John in the middle of this desert to get baptized in the river Jordan. Thousands of people are getting themselves right with God and getting ready to receive God himself. What a wonderful situation. What an amazing scene that is. This was an exciting time for that particularly desperate generation. 
Amongst the fear and the hopelessness and the war and the slavery and the politics, there's a man out in the wilderness prophesying about what is to come. He's giving hope and he's stirring courage that the best days are ahead because of what God is doing now and what God is going to do. Does anybody this afternoon need to hear that kind of message? Could it be this afternoon that we find ourselves amongst generations that are desperate for God? And could it be that there are ones and twos and men and women and children and teenagers being voices in some kind of wilderness, bringing hope and courage? This is what John's message was. He says this, uh, it'll come up on the screen. John's getting everyone ready and he says, guys, after me will come the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I'm baptizing you with water, but this guy, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Wow. I mean, that's an amazing message. I mean, John's an exciting character. He's this wild man prophet that everyone's going out to see, and he's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. A short time later, Jesus heads down to see his first cousin, John, on his mother's side. He goes down to the River Jordan, And he knows that to fulfill all righteousness, it is important for the Son of God, who is sinless, to be baptized to show us a way forward in our lives. Jesus has to convince his cousin to to let him be baptized. And eventually John goes, all right then, Jesus, I'll I'll baptize you. And, And as Jesus is baptized into the water and comes out of the water, a voice from heaven says, wow, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. That's pretty good, isn't it? It's one thing to be making God pleased, but to be well pleased. I am well pleased with my son. And in that moment, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at the same time. The Father says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. There is the Son, Jesus, being baptized. And then it says, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. The fullness of God right there for everyone to see. Didn't John say, there's one coming after me that's going to baptize you in a whole different way? It's amazing. Sadly, a short time later, wild man John winds up in prison. There's a despot dictator of a ruler who puts him in prison for trumped-up charges of treason. But it's okay, because he's already made the way. Jesus arrives on the scene. A transition's taking place. What was now prophecy is present. Wow. Jesus says this, Mark 1, verse 15. Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Can anyone just say good news? Proclaiming the good news of God. He said the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Keep looking at that scripture. Let me paraphrase it for you. Jesus is saying, hey everyone, the right time, the decisive era long waited for, the new season, All the prophecies, they've been fulfilled, they've been accomplished. The kingdom, that's the rule, the reign, the authority, the dominion, the kingship of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit has come near. And so today, run into God's forgiveness, look back at sin, shake in your head and say, no more. That's the old life done. And now, trust and have confidence in the incredible news that is, God now pours out his mercy, grace and blessing on you as you believe in his son. That's a paraphrase of Jesus saying, the time has come. It's time for good news. Is it time for good news, church? Is it time for good news, church? No, you're into the bad news, are you? Okay. No. 
In this autumn-winter season, what we're going to do as a church is we're going to start turning our heart's attention to looking out to those that don't know Jesus more than looking in to those that do. And something strange will happen as we do that. The more we look out, the more God will build us. That doesn't sound right, does it? Surely the way should be, let's, let's focus on what we have. Let's look inwards and we'll thrive, we'll get better. No, it's not how it works in the kingdom. Look outwards, reach people, and something happens in our hearts. We grow as a community. We grow as, uh, as disciples of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be doing over this next season of messages. You see, the church is not an exclusive club. Thank the Lord for that. Can't afford the fees. The church is a, a movement of the Holy Spirit with arms wide open to receive anyone and everyone. Amen? You see, because people's lives matter far too... Look at me a sec, would you? People's lives matter far too much for us to keep all of this to ourselves. If it's your first time in church today, we want to welcome you and just want, want you to know, forget everything else that happens today. Can you just know this? God is really, really, really good. God is really good. Jesus said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the what? The, the good news. Are you glad that the news that we have to share is good news? Come on now. In a world that needs to hear it, I'm very excited about that. Wouldn't it be a drag if our message was hopeless and had no power and made no difference? But we can get excited today as Springs Church, just part, a little part of the wider kingdom of God all across our nation, that the message we have is, is Good news. <laughs> so what is the good news? The good news is basically this. That the kingdom of God is not far away in a way that you have to earn your way to God. The good news is that because of Jesus, the kingdom of God has come very near. Wow. The other gospel says that the kingdom of heaven has come to be within. It's that the kingdom of God is not far away. And the kingdom of heaven is close. The good news is that we don't have to fear death, not knowing what's on the other side. The good news is that we can know exactly where we're going to be forever. The good news is we don't have to live in panic mode throughout life and just trying to keep our heads above water. The good news is that Father God has provided forgiveness of our sin through his son Jesus and given us power for the rest of this earthly life by the presence of his Holy Spirit. You might be hearing this for the first time today. Welcome, welcome to the good news. See, church, one day Jesus will return and it will be in a very physical way. And he will rule the earth in a physical way. If you've recently become a Christian, it's the first time you're hearing it. Yeah, it just got wackier. Jesus is coming back. Part two. It's going to be amazing. But until that time, the kingdom of heaven is not out there. It's in here. Wow. Wow. No politics can move that kingdom. No oil company can shrink its supply. Amen. No president can march against it. The kingdom of heaven is unshakable. Jesus announces, church, the time has come. Are there any followers of Jesus in the place today? Anyone glad that the time came for your heart to meet his heart? Church, the time has come. Can you just poke the person falling asleep next to you and let them know the time has come? The time has come. The time has come. This afternoon is the start of a rallying cry, a rallying call. And the rallying call is this. In every single, are you, are you with me this afternoon? In every single generation, 
The church of Jesus must respond to the call to go to all the world and make disciples of all nations. Is there anyone alive and breathing in this room today? The call is now upon our generation to go and tell the world that Jesus lives. Why are we called to do that? Is Jesus interested in us packing out our bricks and mortar shell of a building? No, he's not interested in that. Is he interested in building a brand? Everyone's got their own brand these days, haven't they? Even Springs Church has a logo. He's not interested in building a brand. He's not interested in facilitating a social club. We're not wanting people to know Jesus to increase the number of pound coins in our charity coffers. We are going out into the world. It is on our generation now to take the message of the good news because for every human soul, there is a hell to lose and a heaven to gain. Did you hear that this afternoon? For every human soul, there is a hell to lose and a heaven to gain. That is why every generation must take on the mantle to go and tell the world. Did you know that 60% of the UK says that it's Christian? Did you know that? I did a little maths. I'm not very good at maths. I had to retake it past second time. It's all right. Keep going. That's 40 million people in the UK say they're Christians. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see 40 million people in church on a Sunday. I don't see 40 million people serving one another as neighbors and friends. And I don't see that. Uh, if you're from Gordal, the last census in 2011, it was 70% of our community said that they were Christian. Isn't that amazing? 70%. That means there's 9,000 people in church on a Sunday in Gornal. Hallelujah. Oh, no way. That's not really the case, is it? I reckon people in this nation say that they are Christian by culture of a moral foundation from yesteryear as opposed to a living relationship with Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? But we've got some encouraging news here. That 13% of the UK population actually are practicing Christians and say they go to church regularly. Not that going to church is a, you know, the best measure, but it's a helpful one. That's 5 million people who love Jesus in the UK today. We're not starting from scratch. Got a head start here, guys. <laughs> a few years ago, um, just before the pandemic, Rachel and I had the opportunity to travel abroad with a bunch of friends to go on an amazing trip. And uh, we, uh, we'd been looking forward to this. We'd shelled out a bunch of money, and then we were still paying it off a few years later because it was an expensive one. <laughs> and um, and uh, we were so excited. We'd, we, we knew what time the plane was taking off, and we'd even gone down to, where was the, where was the, uh, was it Stansted? It was still the one down there. No, it was further than that. Luton, it was Luton. We went down and we get, no, you're wrong there, Bob, it was Luton. And um, we went down to Luton and uh, we stayed overnight so that we could be ready for our early flight next morning. And uh, there's a photo of us sitting really chilled out. We'd got there really, really early and, um, and uh, we'd even gone to the Weather Spoons and had ourselves a nice cheap big breakfast in anticipation of the flight to come because it was going to be hours, wasn't it? And then something happened. We didn't read the small print on our ticket turned out that the gate opened an hour before the flight took off. It wasn't the usual half an hour that we were told for this particular journey. Oh dear. We go down to the gate half an hour before and there is no plane and no passengers queuing. We had missed our flight for our dream trip. I was very emotional, as you can imagine. <laughs> I hit the deck and I was like, oh no! I actually did. 
Thankfully, it wasn't just Rachel and I that had missed the plane. We get to the desk and there are maybe three or four other families that also hadn't read the small print <laughs> about the, the gate opening hour early. And we were all trying to work out how we were going to get to our destination. Thankfully, there was a second flight later that day. Who knew? And we managed to catch that flight. And we got there. But here's the thing. We knew what a plane was. We knew what the desired destination was. But we didn't see the correct instructions before it was too late to board the flight. And the second thing that really annoyed us was this. There was not a single announcement that our flight was due to, to take off over the tannoys at Luton Airport. You normally hear them announce, Comfortgate, whatever. There was no announcement. In our nation today, there are 40 million people who say they are Christian, but they have misunderstood the instructions. And it could be too late for some of these people, many of these people, before the flight home takes off. But secondly... There may not be people who have misunderstood the instructions. They may just never heard there was a ticket to a place called heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. And so it is on us, five million Christians in our nation, to tell the story and to tell it correctly. Christian by culture doesn't get you anywhere. But faith in Jesus Christ sees you right. You with me this afternoon? If you were born between 1997 and 2010, can you put your hand up for me? Oh, look at these youngins. If you were born between 1997 and 2000, and you're teaching our kids, you're so young. If you were born between 1997 and 2010, you are what sociologists call Generation Z. Did you know that? Generation Z. Mad, 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 mad. Now, here's the thing. They reckon, this is what sociologists are saying about Generation Z, that generation, that this is the first truly post-Christian generation. What does that mean? It means this, that it is most likely that the parents of that generation did not know anything about Jesus Christ or the gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore, the majority of Generation Z do not know what it means to have a living relationship with Jesus. They might understand Christianity as a religion, but they might not have parents who are living uh, with a relationship with God. Does that make sense? And then, if you were born after 2010, there's no one in here born after 2010, is there? They're all in the kids' church. Born after 2010, oh, there's one there. Born after 2010, sociologists are calling that generation, not Generation Z, they've got to start the alphabet again, so it is Generation Alpha. Generation Alpha. And this generation, they reckon, is not post-Christian, where maybe, if, maybe there was maybe one member of the family that knew Jesus. Maybe. Generation Alpha, they're not calling post-Christian. They're saying that Generation Alpha is pre-Christian. It's like they're a generation that never heard the gospel. It's unlikely that, that they've been to church or Sunday school. It's unlikely their parents have been. It's unlikely their grandparents have been. It's even unlikely that their great-grandparents have been. Generation Alpha may well be the first generation since the 400s when Christianity first arrived on these shores to not know the truth of the gospel. We're not having that. Does that stir you in your heart this afternoon? We're not having that. We're not having that. You could think, gosh, that's a, that's a really depressing thing to hear. 
that the faith is dying out. I want to actually turn it on its head and suggest this is the most incredible opportunity that we could ever, ever have. Do you know why? Because there is a generation, two generations coming up right now that have never been hurt by religion, never been messed about by church, messed about by the religious, never, been, uh, never had other preconceived ideas from other family members about what faith in Jesus might be. We have a blank canvas as God as the artist and us as his paints and brushes. That is exciting. You and I get to be the people who announce to the emerging generations who Jesus is with honesty and kindness and mercy and compassion. Are you excited about that this afternoon? We have an opportunity, church, in this community, amongst all the communities, amongst our nation and our world, to represent who Jesus is in his raw, honest, loving self. Isn't that good? Now that comes with a great responsibility. Let's not mess it up for him, eh? So let's stay devoted to Jesus. Not be impressed by a pastor or a podcaster. Let's be most impressed by Jesus. And let's tell his story and the story that he has done in our lives. Are you with me this afternoon? Wow. Church, the time has come to reach a generation who never heard it. That there is a God in heaven who loves them, fights for them, and has given his life for them already. Did you know that our youth ministry is called GNZ? It's actually Z because we're English, but we tend to say Z because it sounds way cooler. GNZ. Generation Z. We want to reach Generation Z. Hello, everyone. But wouldn't it be amazing if the Z stood for something else? Wouldn't it be amazing if the Z stood for the word zeal? Do you know what the word zeal means? It means passionate enthusiasm. What if the generation coming through right now was in fact a generation full of passion for their God who is limitless and powerful and all-loving? Could that be the case? Come on now. At the end of September, GNZ is relaunching and it's there. Is relaunching here at Zor, mainly in the community room, because we need more space because we're believing that many young people are going to come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Why? To fill our coffers? No. To extend our club for a few more years? No. Why? Because every human soul has a hell to lose and a heaven to gain. And if we don't stand up, there's a heaven to lose and a hell to gain. A few years ago, uh, December 2020, YouGov uh, put this survey out there. Well, they took a survey, and they actually found that the majority, a small majority, just over half of the population of the UK, when all the ages were put together, actually did either believe in God or believe in a higher spiritual power. Wow. Didn't see that coming, did you? Turns out that the UK, the majority, it's just the majority, and it's not got too excited, just about the majority of the UK either believes that there is a God or there is a higher spiritual power. But church, we've got a problem there. Because there are a lot of spiritual powers out there. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are a lot of spiritual influences out there that are not of God. And I want to say this afternoon, if you're dabbling in spiritual things that have got nothing to do with Jesus, it ain't good. Leave it behind. Move forward. The eternal truth, according not to Springs Church, not the Catholic Church, not the Church of England. The eternal truth, according to Jesus, is that there is only one way, one truth, and one life that connects human souls with the heart of God. And that one way is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
That's what Jesus himself said. And so church, bearing in mind the generations we've just talked about, look what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10. He says, how then can they call on the one that they've not even believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? The message version says it like this. It says, consider those generations. Consider the 40 million people who think they're Christians, but they don't know what they mean. How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they've not heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Every generation, the call is on us to go. Are you there this afternoon, church? Preached out. I might be on my own. It's all right. If you're a Christian, if you're someone sitting in church today, you're someone whose life has been blessed by the forgiveness of Jesus, Somebody else made a way for the gospel to come to you. For Mel, it was Sunday school. For Mel, it was loving people in a church community that nurtured her in her faith. How did you become a Christian? I want to ask the question, was it a conversation you had with someone? Was it? Was it an invitation to some kind of gathering to hear about God? Was it a kindness that somebody gave? Was it an honest chat with somebody that opened the door to God? Was it a preacher? Was it an encounter with the Holy Spirit himself? I want to encourage you that God made a way for you through that person or that situation so that the time came for you to know the God of heaven and come near to him. What did Jesus say? He says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the what news? The good news. The good news. Right at the start of Jesus' three years of ministry, he started by announcing... This God stuff is good news. And if Jesus is having to tell everyone it's good news, I guess we can safely bet there must have been some pretty bad news about God going around. What was the bad news about God? Was it, was it that God, in fact, does not love people? God does not have time for us. God is brutal. God doesn't care what happens to us. He's cruel, this God that you serve. I'm only sick because God punishes me. God only accepts the super-religious elites was the bad news. It always the bad news out there that God is vengeful and hateful and is far away. Is the news that God doesn't answer prayers. Is that the news? Have you ever heard a friend say, I can't come to your church, I'll burst into flames. Is that the news? Some of you are laughing because we've heard it many times. Have you ever heard the bad news that God couldn't accept someone like me? Church, Almighty God does not need defending. You're not as tough as you think you are. (laughs) God can defend himself. But what he does want to do is partner with us to share who he is with the world. So we get to have this joy. Not just in the younger generations, but our own generations. Any millennials in the house? Any baby boomers out there? We get to set the record straight. Do you hear what I said, church? We get to set the record straight. What is the straightening of the record? The straightening of the record is this, that he is the God of love and not hate. Amen? Come on, if you get happy with this stuff, let me know about it. He's the God of order and not chaos. 
He's the God of truth and not lies. He's the God of healing. He's the God of justice and not injustice. He's the God of mercy, not cruelty. He's the God of blessing, not cursing. He's all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful. He's the God of close relationship, not distant absence. He's the God of relationship. He's the God of compassion, not vengeance. He's patient and kind, and his forgiveness means that he doesn't hold our wrongs against us for our now and our tomorrow. That's the God that we serve. It's time to set the record straight, is it not? Come on. Scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Joe, would you come and play some emotional chords for us? It's that time of the meeting. Let's just be honest about it. Let's get ourselves in a place where we can be honest with God. So what do we want to know? What do we want people to know? What do I want people to know? What does God want us to know as we head into this autumn, winter season of looking out? It's this. You have an incredible part to play in the eternal security of other people. Wow. The truth is this. You are uniquely placed in the world you happen to find yourself in. The truth is, you are called for such a time as this. 2022, it's your time. You have a story to tell. You have more than a story. The youngest disciple, a different John, as an old man, he's having a, a vision on the Isle of, island of Patmos while he's in prison. And he has this revealed to him, Revelation 19 verse 10, it says, the testimony, in other words, the witness, the telling about Jesus, is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? Gosh, it's deep wells. Here's a few things that it means. When you share what Jesus has done in your life, you are announcing, no, you're not. You are prophesying what he has done, what he can do, and what he's willing to do in the lives of others. Did you hear that? How do we know that's true? How do we know that your story is prophetic? It's because whatever Jesus has done for you, you don't think you're so special you wouldn't do it for anyone else, do you? Whatever Jesus has done for you, he is willing to do for others. So when you tell of the mercy of God, you are prophesying that mercy will be shown again. When you tell of the love of God, you are prophesying that another human heart can receive that love too. Your story is a prophecy. Wow. You see now, church, we, right now, in 2022, we're on the other side of the life of Jesus 2,000 years ago. When John the Baptist was prophesying, he was looking forward to a time that would come, but Jesus has already come, hasn't he? And so we don't prophesy about what will come, we are prophesying about who is here. Why? Because the time has come. The kingdom of heaven has come near. 
Every single person in this room, you are a living experience of Jesus. Peace, power, his kindness, his provision, his saving work. He's taking away guilt, of sh- guilt and shame. He's pouring his own life into you to make you fearless and brave. Anticipating the glory and the bliss of heaven that awaits. You are a walking, living experience of Jesus. And since he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's willing to do the same for others as he's done for you. We don't tell of what he will do. We have stories of what he has done, which paves the way for what he will do again. How ought to we feel this afternoon? I reckon we can start to feel confident in the message that we have. It's good news. Let's get confident. Let's be unashamed of the real work that Jesus is doing in our lives. We can be excited that because of the life of Jesus, we've been given words that bring life. Last scripture for today, Romans 1.16. Paul says this, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He says, I'm not ashamed of the good news. Why would I be? It's this good news that brings salvation to people. I'm not ashamed. Why is Paul writing that? He's writing it because there must have been people in the church who were a little ashamed, a little embarrassed, a little unsure. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. We've got a challenge this afternoon to live unashamed with our families, with our friends, work colleagues, whoever. I'm excited because a few months ago, I met a guy in a pub, and uh, we got talking. We got like a house on fire. And as uh, Rachel and our family and Mike and Deb were leaving this this pub, this guy says to me, uh, he says, he says, do you mind if could we meet up and have a conversation about Jesus sometime? And I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Six weeks holidays happened, but we got a date in the diary. And this Friday night. I'm going to sit in a pub with a guy I've met twice and talk about Jesus. I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. I'm not asking you to go to the pub. (laughs) Might not be helpful for some people. But church, you've heard all that you've heard this afternoon. What if this song could be prophetic that there would be thousands of men, women, and children in this community and across our nation coming to sing, all my life, God, you are faithful. I have come to know the God who loves me. Where? Every single one of us in this room, if we've been listening, has been challenged in our hearts today. Before we sing anyone else's song or lyrics, why don't you pray whatever you need to pray. Maybe you need to ask the Lord for boldness. Maybe you need to ask the Lord for courage. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to give you a dose of compassion for your neighbors. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. We'll just have a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
Can we just bow our heads for a sec? If you've come to church today and you've surprised yourself because you didn't think you would be here, um, you feel like the mercy of God is far off because you've made a few cock-ups recently, you've made a few mistakes, and you feel a bit of a fraud being here. I just want you to know that the Father heart of God says, welcome home, son, welcome home, daughter. You are very welcome and very loved. Ask me, I'll forgive you. And I'll choose not to remember what you're beating yourself up about. I love you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. We will go, Lord. Father, in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would plant a a seed of a vision in people's lives today of what life could look like when that person comes to know you, Jesus. Father, I ask that you'd plant vision in every human heart here this afternoon, Lord. Give us a vision of what life could look like where our streets resounding with your praise. Planting us a vision, Lord, to be determined to see the lost be found. For wives praying for husbands and husbands praying for wives and the parents praying for kids and kids praying for their parents. Father, I pray this afternoon that you would give such hope and such courage right now, God. Father, I pray even right now, God, that you would give them a vision of seeing their loved ones, their dear ones, coming close to knowing you, Jesus. Bless your holy name, God. Your goodness is running after them as much as it's running after us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.